Welcome to the Midwest Film Nerds Podcast. I'm Alex. I'm Tim. I'm Nick. Today we're going to talk a little bit about what we've been watching, then we're going to move into a discussion of how we think this year in movies has gone so far. We'll do a full review of The Way, Way Back. Uh, that would be Jim Rash and Nat Faxon's The Way, Way Back. And if we have time, we'll get to a food for thought. But uh, I, I want to start off on, on the top here, not to bring everything down, but... Uh, one of my inspirations as somebody who wants to be a podcasting personality, uh, Ryan Davis of the Giant Bombcast, and previously of like GameSpot, and you know he has a, a long, he had a long legacy in a bunch of different gaming websites. He passed away on July third at the age of thirty-four, just five days after getting married, which. It's utterly horrible. Like, it's... That's... The thing is, I never met this guy in person. But I... Like, I I feel this death to my very core. And it just saddens me to no end. Because he was such a huge part of that website. And he was such a good guy. And just so personable. And uh, people on the internet, they've all said this. Like, they all feel the same way that I do. Because... You know, you, with the Giant Bombcast, he was one of the, the people that he, he hosted, and he made you feel like you were part of the family and, like, brought you into this group of people. And uh, and it was funny, because he was on his honeymoon last week, and the Giant Bombcast episode came up, and one of the comments in Reddit said something like that. That, uh, you know, I was listening to last week's Bombcast, and I was just like, I you know, I can't wait for Ryan to get back, because, you know, he brings so much to the show, and now he'll never be returning. So... Rest in peace to Ryan Davis. No clue what happened. Thoughts and, and prayers go out to his friends and family and colleagues. And uh, pour one out for Ryan Davis. But anyway, that could that could have been a lot more eloquent. He'll probably appreciate it more not being eloquent. But I thought it was nicely done. Well, thank you. Anyway, now that we're through the through the the, the sad stuff, let's get into what we've been watching. So, uh, Tim. What have you been watching? Oh, what, what haven't I been watching? <laughs> I haven't been watching much. Um, I've been falling asleep to the 1995-1996 season. Let's see how niche we can make this podcast. 1995-1996 season of Saturday Night Live. All right. <laughs> Which uh, I should say up front, uh, SNL is like pro wrestling to me. Like, it's always going to be hit or miss. <laughs> <laughs> and I, when people say it's terrible, yeah, it's probably terrible. But but it's always been hit or miss. It's always going to be hit or miss. It's the nature of the show. Yeah. But I'll always watch it just because I'm a fan. And yeah. it's the 95-96 season is the season I became a fan. Give us a quick rundown of who, he, who was around. What happened was that cast before was Sandler, Myers, Mike Myers, um, Phil Hartman, Farley was on there. Spade was on there. Spade stuck around, actually. Kevin Nealon was doing Update. So a lot of huge stars, and then they all left around the same time. Okay. So they had to bring in a brand new cast, and one of the member cast members was Will Ferrell. Will Ferrell. This was Will Ferrell's first year. Okay. And this is when, well, I believe, but this is when Norm started doing, Norm MacDonald started doing Weekend Update. Okay. And Norm MacDonald is my favorite. God, that like, was 95 that he started doing yeah. Weekend Update? Yeah, he, he may have started doing it the season before. I think he did. But wow. anyway, <laughs> but it was all this group, the, a lot of the people that started to grow into bigger stars. Um, Molly Shannon came in around that time. That was when they started using Tim Meadows a little more. Yeah. Um, but really, it's just, it's 
fun to watch for me because we're talking about coming-of-age movies. I'm going to share you a Tim Long coming-of-age tale right now because <laughs> I believe that this explains a little bit of who I am. I would stay up. I would watch this, and it would end at about 1 o'clock. I would watch the season because this is like – what's nice about this season compared to SNL now is this was them – like they didn't have any expectations – everybody was crapping all over it anyway. Yeah. So they didn't, they just kind of threw caution to the wind and came <laughs> up with, they ne- like nowadays they write to the host. Like they write around the host. This, they wrote sketches, just really bizarre sketches, and the host was in them. <laughs> like some of the hosts this year were like Muriel Hemingway, Danny Aiello. Uh, <laughs> it's such a bizarre, like host, hosted season. And it's funny, as the season gets along, people start, warming up to it and then like Jim Carrey hosts the season finale okay but um no when I was young like I would stay up and watch this like I loved it like because it's it was so weird this is when like that um I don't know if how many people are familiar with it but it's the one the wake up and smile sketch where the teleprompter breaks and <laughs> yes. welfare, yes. like it's an amazing sketch that was from his first year yeah Oh wow, that's an amazing <laughs> sketch. Yeah, and then like the feral, the feral stuff, like the get off the shed, like he's screaming at his kids, get off the shed. It's all just really random, silly stuff, and um, so I fell in love with it. And then I would stay up until two o'clock in the morning. Mystery Science Theater three thousand mm. would start in syndication, <laughs> and it, so so it was a wonderful Saturday nights for me as an eleven year old. And then like as the years went on, I'd watch SNL. And then WWE SmackDown would come on at midnight, and then Buffy would come on it too. And this was my high school years, so this is a really it's like now like it's a depressing coming of age tale because I was in high school and I should have been like screwing around with high school girls at the time, but I wasn't on a Saturday night. So I've just been kind of rewatching that, and it's nice because I I still need to finish Arrested Development, but with SNL I could just turn it on and fall asleep whenever, yeah, <laughs> and then yeah. pick back up because you don't have to. It happens. I would like to be engaged with the falling asleep show is is important. Very important. I yeah. I have conditioned myself to not be able to fall asleep unless there's some sort of visual or auditory stimuli. Yep, yeah. yep. And yeah. it used to be yeah. Usually now Netflix is like yeah. Yeah, because Netflix will keep playing now, which yeah. is nice. It used to not do that. Oh, I wanted to complain about something though about the Netflix versus SNL, is they cut it down to about some of them are like 29 minutes long. And I get it because wow. I'm sure there's some terrible stuff yeah. on there. But if you're if you're someone who's watching the 95, 96 season of an SNL, you're like a hardcore <laughs> SNL fan. Like you're gonna want to see the show warts and all. Like and so I just kind of there's this one sketch. It's like it's called the improvised Bible miniseries, and it's from a later season. I just want to talk about it because I want it. This is a plea. If anybody has it on tape that's listening, I want them because <laughs> it's not online anywhere. But it's Will Ferrell. Betamax. Yeah, and like they decide they're gonna come up with because CBS is doing the Bible miniseries. They're gonna they're gonna beat their miniseries to TV and do an improvised version. Just come up with stuff on the spot. <laughs> and Will Ferrell plays Jesus and uh, Paul. And they're talking, and then Paul's like, "How? Oh, how'd you hear about that?" And he goes, "Oh, Jesus!" Jesus goes, "Oh, my brother Barry." And they're like, "Barry? Who's Barry?" And then like the director goes, "Hey, you!" And he points to Horatio Sands. He goes, "You look like a good Barry. Get in there." And all I remember is a sketch with Jesus lifting weights and Barry, his brother, coming in and getting doing a shoving match with him. It's an amazing sketch. If anybody knows where it is, because that was a terrible explanation of it. I, I need to see it again. That sounds pretty good to me. <laughs> Well, um, yes. So I, I think something interesting to talk about with SNL as well is like people are always like, "Oh man, that was the great season," blah blah blah. And it's yeah. the season that they grew up like watching. Exactly. Like that, it, it's it's their like first season of SNL that they really watched. Yep. 
It's the American James Bond. Yeah. And it's but it's <laughs> it's interesting to talk about because everybody always feels like that season was the one and then it's mostly just that people are only remembering the good sketches. Right. It's, yeah. it's it's a lot like uh like all these stations. People are kids kids who are, you know, born now and are like, Oh, the eighties music was so good. It's like, no, you're just only hearing the stuff that was good. Yeah. You're not No, exactly. So I think I think <laughs> SNL works a lot of the same way as well. You know, I I, I love any season where Chris Catan was around because yeah. I love Chris Catan for some reason. But uh, you know, they there were greats before him, and there've been some awesome people after him as yeah. well. So you know, but yeah, anyway, it's interesting. I think there's a, there's a good counterpoint to that because I th- I think that there is even even though obviously there is always good and there is always bad in in music and in movies and stuff. There's I don't think you can't love an era anyway. Like if someone's like, "Oh, I, I love '80s music." No, yeah, that, I think I think that's absolutely true. I I mean, it, you know, you can you can be like, "I really really love '80s music," but if you're like, "I really really love '80s music," and you're only listening to like the top forty that's on that was in, out in the '80s, then I don't feel like you have that kind of full appreciation of it. You know? Yeah. And a lot of the times with SNL, it's just like, yes. You know, I, there there were always great sketches from like every season. I'm mm-hmm. sure there's like you can yeah. pull at least one or two good ones out from all of them. But yeah, it is the same way with music and movies, where a generation yeah. is always more in tune with why something is funny. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. Like my parents used to love the the late like the the Bill Murray, Gilda Radner era yeah. of SNL, and I don't find it particularly brilliant yeah i laugh because i know who the people are and i think they're funny and it's cool to see them when they were young and Mm -hmm. up and coming and knowing what legends they've turned into but you know i think humor also evolves generationally too like the Mm -hmm. i love the surrealism of a lot of the 90s like the will ferrell yeah i kind of came into snl right at the right at that transitionary era because i as a kid was watching a lot of the mike myers dana carvey yeah that kind of thing that that era adam sandler and then i also caught Will Ferrell and then mm-hmm. Anna Gasteyer and then when they were coming up and yeah. both both generations. I mean that that was the most successful passing of the torch ever in SNL yeah. history. I think. Yeah. There's just they it, it, they did not take them long to find their their place. Yeah, and a lot of it. Yeah. Like I don't like SNL now. I haven't liked SNL for six or seven years. Yeah. And the entire span of that time, my dad's been going, "Oh, it's a newer cast. Just give them time. They'll find." I'm like, Dad, it's, they're all leaving the show now. It's been seven or eight years. It just wasn't a particularly good run, in my opinion. It, what's weird, there are talented people there. And that's what's weird about it. I the think writing's just the shitty. Writing's, and what's nice about those Farrell years is Farrell was a writer, and so was Adam McKay, who did a lot, who did like the Anchorman and the other guys and Talladega Nights and stuff. And he was a head writer for a little while, and then Faye came on afterwards. Tina Faye was the head writer. Yeah. So they had a lot of really... And I'm not saying maybe... Maybe some of it's a little generational, but... I'm kind of the same way. It's become very formulaic now. They've got a they've got a pattern down. Like they know what they're doing now. After now this. now they're really writing SNL sketches yes. instead of like taking stuff from like the Groundlings and their like upbringing and exactly. really putting it into. I'm really looking forward to another like big turnover again. I think that yeah, would be like kind of cool. The day the, the day when Lauren's it. just like you're all gone. Here's a bunch of new people. Yeah. That that would be very interesting if that happens again. Although you know we could get the Robert Downey Jr. season again or something like that. But um, <laughs> I no, I I think there are like there are, there are people that I absolutely love that are on the show right like sure. that were on the show like Jason Sudeikis and and 
Fred, Fred Armisen and Will Forte and uh, the Lonely Island stuff always worked for me. Kristen yeah. Wiig, yeah, yeah, Kristen Wiig. Like, there's some really, really awesome. There's one that I miss. I'm trying to think of. He like just left too. Horatio Sands still. Are you thinking of Hater? Bill Hater. Yeah, Bill I Hader. love Bill Hater, and I love all of the like. But is Tim know. Meadows still hanging in there? Still on the show? <laughs> no. Sadly, no. The Eternal, the Eternal Flame, <laughs> Doctor Poop. <laughs> But no. Anyway, I think we spent a, a yeah, lot of time. Yeah, yeah, we'll move on. We, we, it's we a can... very, it's an interesting cultural thing though in, in America. Yeah. Like, SNL is like that that thing that everybody has watched at some point, mm-hmm. and usually everybody has a favorite actor from it or favorite season. It's it'd be interesting to talk about more in the future. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, Nick, what have you been watching? Oh Jesus, um, I delved back into Dexter as well as Mad Men because uh, I figure I ought to catch up. And I don't. I I I got into Mad Men consciously. I was like, I needed something to watch. I just finished watching. Oh, damn it! What did I just finish watching? I don't even remember. It was just there Teenage Mutant sh- Ninja there Turtles. Was a show. <laughs> oh, it's still going on. There was a show I was watching, and now I'm not watching it anymore, and I don't remember what it was. But Game of Thrones. Mm, but I I just was scrubbing through Netflix, and I and I remembered Tim talking about Mad Men. Yeah. And I was like, oh yeah. Maybe I'll give that away. Okay. And you're like two or three seasons behind. At this yes, two? I I just started watching season five. I'm only four episodes in, I think. Okay. And that's what season six just wrapped. Season six just wrapped. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And yeah. then with Dexter, season nine, eight, nine season is eight? premiering. Season eight is on currently, and it's going to be the final season. Yeah. And I Mad Men is yeah. going to end after season seven. Mad Men ends next year. My my goal was to catch up with both and be able to watch the ending. Dexter's going to be harder, but it's also shorter. I yeah. Think, so. Yeah. Uh, and then Rick, uh, who was my roommate, was watching Dexter, and I just walked into it, and I was like, yeah, why not? So we've been watching some of season six. We're almost done with season six. Which is the um, Lumen season? No, that's five. This is, is the this Colin, this is Colin Hanks, oh, okay. Edward James Olmos okay, okay. tag team. Eddie Olmos! Eddie Olmos. So maybe season eight of Dexter is just starting. Yeah, it's not it, nine. it is season eight. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I'm having a I'm having a great time watching them both again. It's they're shows that I loved very much, and then I took some time off from, and uh, it's good to be back watching them both. I I'm just continually impressed with Mad Men. Yeah, it's uh, I always forget what an, what a stellar show it is. Yeah. Um, I'm also gonna no, I'm gonna have to talk about that. Um, <laughs> I also started watching The Killing again, just a little bit. I I powered through The Killing really hard. Um, a while ago. I remember, Alex, you and I were... I was talking to you about it while I was watching it, recommending mm-hmm. that you watch it. I still have such mixed feelings on it. The first season is so good. And then it's like season two rolled around, and they were like, oh, we should have ended the... Sh- we should have wrapped up the Who Killed Rosie Larson mystery at the end of season one instead of trying to force it. Oh, does it go on? Yes. Past? You okay. don't find out until the finale of season two, which was the series finale, except now Netflix has resurrected it, which I'm fine with. I'm excited. Is this just a Netflix... The new season is. Is it just the Netflix? The old one was okay. uh, AMC. Yeah. Well, is it still airing on AMC, though? I thought I saw I an ad for it on AMC, I but think I it is. be wrong. I'm not sure. I'll do research. I thought it was talking. a Netflix okay. uh, original. But anyway, um, you know, I'm, I'm always more, almost more intrigued by AMC's kind of doomed shows than the ones that didn't <laughs> quite make it, because <laughs> in my experience, the two that didn't quite make it were The Killing and Rubicon, and Rubicon is the best show they've made. Yeah. And I The Killing Season that. 1 is phenomenal. Season 2 is pretty dumb, but by that point, you're so into the characters that you watch it anyway. Yeah. Even though the end of every, the end of every episode, you just kind of groan. You're like, oh, great. Who <laughs> killed Rosie? We still don't know. And it ends up being kind of a satisfying conclusion, in my opinion, and it, it 
the detective work gets really good towards the end of season two. Okay. Like when they finally are like, oh, it's within reach. Now we can, <laughs> now they can start figuring it out. It's it starts to get really good. Uh, the characters are so good though. You have to watch it, Alex, because I know you're going to be texting me going, Holder is the bomb, <laughs> who is uh, Joel Kinnaman's character. He just, as soon as he shows up on screen, you're like, oh, who is this hood rat? And he's <laughs> he's so good, though, and he's so such an endearing character. And the relationship between him and, uh, um, I can't remember, I can't believe I can't remember Marielle Enos' name, because he, he... Sarah Linden. Linden, yeah. Oh, Linden! Yeah, he calls her uh, Lyndon. Their their relationship is so funny, and they're they're such a good pairing. I'm really excited to see the third season, and hopefully they get some new writers. And uh, actually, I heard it was the showrunner's fault for the most part why it sucked. But anyway, hopefully they get it back on track and they can turn it again into a cool crime drama. So you're watching season two? I'm watching season one right now. Oh, you're I've only re- watched like I'm just uh, I'm not doing it on any schedule. I'm just if I'm if I'm okay. in the mood and I and I'm editing or something and I want something on in the background, I've been putting it on and paying you know, minimal attention. I'm just enjoying watching the characters again, and now that I yeah. know the whole... I know everything that happens, it's kind of interesting to rewatch it a little bit. Um, but yeah, I'm... AMC is so interesting with their with their original series. They've, they've had so many hits, and yeah. some that are just... Did we talk about The Walking Dead and me finishing that up? Catching up? No, I don't think so. Alright, well, really briefly, even if we did, I... And ju- just to note real quick, The Killing will be on Netflix three months after it finishes season three oh. so it, it will air on it is airing currently on amc it's on it's, right now i think so oh wow and i think okay. as soon i think three months after it's finished then it's gonna you should be on you should Netflix. uh power watch it sometime soon it's possible it's good i don't know if i want to do that or breaking bad rewatch more but Ooh. anyway um but with the walk in regards to the walking dead i i like season one quite a bit i pretty mo pretty much load most of season two it had a couple moments. I think you could crunch that season down into two episodes and it would be great. Instead of the 14 or whatever that it spanned, <laughs> I just wasn't good and I swore it off forever. And then I just one day was like, you know what, I'm going to marathon season three of The Walking Dead. And I watched it all in like two and a half days and uh, I loved season three. I thought it was great. I thought it brought the series. It just derailed after Frank Darabont and no one no one was driving the train. Now with season three, it's they, somebody who took over in season three. Cause is Technically, I think Glenn, Glenn Mazar took over in season two, and then he left like while season three was airing. Oh, so he basically was responsible for for season two and for bringing three. it back. Interesting. So it's kind of I don't know. There's still nobody at the ship, kind of really. <laughs> they they do have a new person, but it's very strange. It is very weird. But, but I like season three a lot, and I'm actually pretty excited now to see where uh, where four is going to go. Good. I good. guess that's about it. I just TLDR watch a lot of amc shit <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah no amc stuff is good um i'm excited for low winter sun yeah starting with breaking bid season six or season five part two are they airing concurrently or is yes oh i thought the it was premiere up. the premiere of low winter sun is the same night as the se- the season premiere for breaking bid oh august right are they gonna air back to back every tuesday night or whatever i think so that's Sunday awesome. night, but Sunday nights. Cool. Yeah. Um, Excite. I've watched a bunch of uh, movies, <laughs> including but not limited to a bunch that I've already talked about before. So I'm not really gonna say that much. But um, Crazy Stupid Love, Sleepwalk with Me, uh, High Fidelity, Five Hundred Days of Summer. Try not to infer what's going on in my personal <laughs> life. 
<laughs> but um, <laughs> let's just say they're all really good movies, and the uh, you know I, I I have a fondness for as Willie does too of uh, you know romantic comedies. Yeah. Not that they're all romantic comedies, but some of those are romantic comedies that don't suck, in my opinion. That's what I like to call it. Yeah. And um, I think there's like a good art to making an like it's so easy to just be like oh romantic comedy they break up they get back together blah 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 like it's so easy to do that but when somebody actually makes a refreshing story like crazy stupid love or 500 days of summer that just kind of or sleepwalk with me really high fidelity high fidelity is like the ultimate for me high fidelity you know like is like putting that kind of spin onto movies about relationships uh, it's you know i think there's a lot of potential there that people don't really you know people don't exploit as often as they should because, you know, there's an art to it. So, if you haven't seen any of those, I would check them out. I think, um, at the very least, Sleepwalk With Me is on is on Netflix. I think High Fidelity is right now. High Fid- I don't think High Fidelity... Maybe it is. I, I feel like I checked, High Fidelity's on something. It, I, I rented it on Amazon, but okay. I, I guess I should have checked that. I, no, it's not on I, Netflix. I'm pretty certain it's not on Netflix. I think I own it on Blu-ray and DVD. <laughs> yeah, well... You could have borrowed it. Oh, well. But, yeah. Anyway, uh, that's what I've been doing. That's what I've been watching, so. Yeah. You've you've pimped up Sleepwalk With Me so much. Every time I see it on Netflix, I'm like, one day I'm going to watch Sleepwalk it. Sleepwalk Me is a Mike Birbiglia film? Yes, yeah. the Mike Birbiglia film. Yes, okay. It's very good. I'll have to check it very out. Very good. You guys should both check it out. I'd always be down to talk more about that movie. But. High Fidelity, I love watching because it reminds me so much of... Two, two jobs I had, both working at the video store, and then when I worked uh, for the, the school I went to, um, I worked in the film department, in the like uh, equipment check-in and check-out mm-hmm. area, and it just, I had two co-workers, one of whom was Jack Black from that movie, and one of whom was Todd... Uh, Dick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Dick from, and I was... I was a John Cusack, just relatively <laughs> neutral guy, surrounded by these two incredibly contrasting personalities. It was, it was really funny. And we would go on the same rude, pretentious rants about movies, and we'd have all these freshman students coming in and talking to us, and they all thought yeah. we were cool because we worked there, and we were really losers, like those guys. We'd been at the school for too long, and they'd be like, oh man, what kind of movies do you guys like? Bro, I just saw Fight Club, and we're all like, yeah. 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 Go see Reversible and then we'll talk, bro. <laughs> or that, that kind of thing. It was just it was so dumb. Looking, But looking back on it, when I watch High Fidelity now, yeah. I laugh even harder than I did because I'm like, God, they're such, they're such airheads. So, like, it, it, it it's just was so it, relevant. In a weird, it's kind of like an adult coming of age tale. It is. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Very like, much. Totally. I, I like it. I need to watch it again. I haven't seen it in a while. The writing is so, so good. And yeah. all the, the whole mechanic of the, the breaking the fourth wall while not and the, the top five everything is so good yeah <laughs> and it's you know one of the movies you can add to the list of movies that john cusack gets rained on in because i think it's in his contract that he has to be in a scene where he's out and getting rained on openly because it happens to him so much it does it yeah. does it's like walk-in dancing and it's like uh rockwell dancing it's like rockwell dancing yeah <laughs> it's in there it's you got to be in every movie somewhere High Fidelity is really interesting because it's kind. Of, I I this is the first time where I've watched it and I've really thought about the kind of. I don't know. Beforehand, I kind of thought that it was just this really well charted out 
like art, and it is, but I think listen like reading into it more. Like the first time that I watched it, I was in a relationship, mm-hmm. and now I'm watching it. I'm out of a relationship. You get you kind of get two really different stories yeah. from it, depending on where you are in your life and who you are compared to John Cusack's character and. I think this time it was just really interesting kind of reading into that and seeing, like... I'll tell you, it gets it only gets relevant as you get older, too. Oh, I'm, I'm sure. I'm, what, like, four years older than you? Something like that? Something like that. Yeah. Oh, oh man. It's so funny. The, the older you get, the more and more relevant it gets. And Cusack has two or three scenes I can think of off the top of my head that are... He, he does so well, but the writing is so good about... Because you get a lot of romantic comedy movies where, you know, a couple is together, a couple breaks up, is sad, a couple gets back together in some sweeping romantic mm-hmm. gesture, and they miss each other because they love each other, etc. And, it, you know, Cusack's had a few movies like that. And But this one is so good because it really del. It's a relatively short movie, but in the time that you have, it accomplishes so much, and it really delves into the the minutia of relationships and yeah. puts, a, puts a, a pin on exactly what it is about you know people that you were in relationships with that you what what it is you miss about them Mm -hmm. and he has a couple scenes where he so perfectly emphasizes all the little things that add up into into what what composed the relationship and the things you took for granted or maybe didn't notice while you were there the movie does it better than any other movie i've ever seen yeah and i i think that's kind of what i like about all the movies that i did watch is that they kind of all have these different uh things that they focus on in particular like 500 days of summer i think one of the big lessons to really take out of it is that you really need to think about the whole relationship in the end and not just remember the good things and then crazy stupid love is kind of like um you know it's it's about complacency and fighting against that and and renewing things and and sleepwalk with me is very much like here's two people that are together but should they still be together and it's kind of like they like there's very different points that are hit on these that all kind of delve they're all relevant yeah have you watched annie hall oh yeah okay i watched i watched annie hall as soon as people were were drawing 500 days like everybody and like everybody's like 500 days of summer and then people were like no annie hall yeah i'm I'm kind of the no annie Hall. no 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 no. and i I understand that (laughs) but no 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 definitely yeah i i i I do remember enjoying annie hall but i have been thinking that i do want to rewatch that and i also kind of i i'm (laughs) towing the waters of eternal sunshine so oh oh cool i don't think i can ever jump in man (laughs) (laughs) too relevant No, no, no. It's it's good because I feel like what I get out of Eternal Sunshine is very much like even if things, uh, it's so much that it's just like oh my god, all of this is so good. I wish I could just forget about it all because I'm never gonna have it again. And then by the end of it, you're like, wow, I really just need to appreciate. Like, yeah, it's I it the the lessons that you get out of all these different movies, I think, are just really interesting to kind of put together into one big, you know, wrap up. But anyway, definitely. Yeah. I like at the end of the day, you can just watch love actually which is hilariously bombastic in terms of its its relationships and its love but it just makes you feel good yeah. at the end yeah it's just a great romantic comedy that just makes you feel good about life yeah so that's uh, enough of my personal life on the podcast right now <laughs> <laughs> alex is not crying everybody Take no i'm not at the moment we'll start talking about tron legacy and bring a few <laughs> coax a few tears out <laughs> Talk about Man of Steel Talk again. Talk about John Carter. How I saw Man of Steel again and was on the brink of tears the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> this is movies, ladies yeah, and gentlemen. Yeah, this is movies. This um, is why we do what we do. 
So we're going to go through and talk about kind of, we're, we're a little more, we're kind of right at halfway through the year, and we can talk about uh, how we think the year in movies has gone, and, and what were surprises, and what were disappointments, and that kind of thing. Um, so I think, I think it's just interesting to kind of look through, as, as Nick said when suggesting this, that you know priorities have kind of shifted, and that expectations having seen the movies that we were anticipating now are there movies that we feel like we're going to anticipate more or you know just kind of how the summer has not even just the summer but the whole year has gone so um nick is the arbiter of this idea oh yes i feel as though you should go first my brainchild uh well i remember at the beginning of the year the movies i was really excited for I would say relatively met my expectations, but there are those. I realize now my list was a little flawed in that I should have kind of flipped movies around because there are the movies like Iron, your Iron Man three, Man, Man of Steel to a lesser extent, but the movies that you are really, really, really looking forward to that you know are they have a really high success rate of delivering. Mm-hmm. Like Iron Man three did not need to be as high on my most anticipated list because I, I should have been like you know what it's gonna be good I'm gonna like it. Yeah. Um, because now where we are, at the point we are at in the year thus far, I am just trembling with excitement for Elysium and Pacific Rim as well. And these are two that probably should have cracked my top five for the most anticipated. And I'm not sure that either of them did. I know Pacific Rim didn't. Elysium may have, but I really don't remember. Uh, did we rank them numerically? No. We just blurted them out? I'm pretty sure we just blurted them I think we tried out. doing it numerically and then we were like, well, whatever. I know that with the because we kind of did two like that. We did our top ten of the year and our most anticipated, right. and I don't remember which ended up being numbered and which one didn't. Top ten were numbered, I think. Well, they're both top tens. I mean, the top ten of the year. Anticipated or the year? Top, okay. yeah, the, the look either back. way. Anyway, anyway, because I remember those. I remember relatively the order. Anyway, okay. um, but just getting more, getting this year has been a, a really amazing year for movies thus far. I mean, it's been a stupidly good year. The the past two years have actually been phenomenal. Um, but I think I'm getting a little bit more in tune with myself in terms of what I actually get excited for at this point. And it's mm-hmm. interesting how your sh- your tastes shift shift a little bit. Um, but I... Thus far, I think everything's pretty much met my expectations. The one kind of wild card on my most anticipated list was Upstream Color. And that turned out to be kind of piece of shit but i do i do need to watch it again it is on netflix now i'm probably gonna watch it one more time and just now that i kind of know what happens even though i don't uh we'll see if i like it better okay i kind of want to watch it with like an impartial someone who has uh, i watch it with you actually would be the perfect the perfect instance to watch it because yeah um I'd be looking at it fresh and yeah, and you and we watch Primer together to yeah. get, to get primed for it. Ah. Oh. Um, but I think you know Iron Man three totally met my expectations. Man of Steel it met and exceeded in most cases. I was really looking forward to that. I think your big and what's your what do you think your biggest case of exceeded was? World War Z. Oh really? Yeah. Okay. Because I had no expectations. I was thinking it was Pain and Gain. Well, I I <laughs> no. Because I knew that would at least look cool. Like, I, I, I know on record, numer- there are numerous podcast episodes of me going, World War Z is going to suck yeah. so hard. Yeah, that's true. 
and it's kind of the most improved. I was damn. I was certain it was gonna suck, and then that last trailer came out that was attached to Man of Steel or something, and I was like, "Ooh, it looks like they might have fixed it somehow." And then I went into it, and I was like, "Like it was good." And then I went and saw it again because I had to be sure. I was like, "Was it good?" And I went and saw it with you guys, and I'm like, "Guys, was it good?" And you're like, "Yeah, it was. It was." pretty yeah, good yeah and i f- the other day i found myself thinking about it and i was like it's bizarre how much i l- really loved world war z like the more i think about it and i'm i'm actually excited to watch it again it's weird just goes to show you when you go in with basement level expectations what what can happen yeah but uh that would probably be most exceeded pain and gained i i, d- I didn't love the movie i liked it a lot and i but i what i really loved were the performances in it okay but the movie as a whole is is weird but i had a good time watching it but it's not the movie that I'm going to go out and buy and be ready to pop in on, like, a Wednesday afternoon. I, I mean, I will because I want to watch The Rock in it again. But <laughs> I know Tim will be right there on yeah, the couch yeah. with me. Uh, but I think Oblivion Oblivion was was solid. I, I was I was happy with the outcome. It was not what I expected, but I, I didn't expect anything. And Oblivion's weird because you and I, Alex, go back and forth on the should you or shouldn't you watch trailers thing. And I remember after seeing Oblivion, I was kind of like, kind of wish I'd watched a trailer so that I would have at least had my expectations shaped in the right direction. So it's it's it, it's something that will, there will never be an answer to. It's a chicken no. and egg scenario. Because I watched the bejesus out of Man of Steel trailers, and I loved the movie. And I know you avoided them for the most I made you watch the one. I, like, pinned him down before we recorded the podcast no, one time. I think I, I think I saw that one. I saw the teaser at some point. Because I made you watch it, I remember. <laughs> we were at Willie's house, and I was like, watch it. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, that sounds about right. And you were you were mad, because you were like, oh, thanks for ruining the last shot of the movie. <laughs> Asswipe, and I was like, it's not going to be the last shot. Yeah. But I think, uh, at least where we are right now, I'm... I'm really, 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 really looking forward to like the kind of sci-fi stuff we have left in the year. I'm, I'm can't wait for Pacific Rim. I can't wait for Elysium. Uh, I think that the kind of genre. I'm looking forward to the genre sci-fi movies that we yeah. got coming up, like the creature feature monster thing. I love. I'm really excited for Godzilla next year. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah very uh, much. But Pacific Rim just looks so good, and uh, Elysium is just the trailers for that are so killer. Yeah, I can't. And I, I had mentioned this. Personally, the three of us were talking, uh, Alex, Willie, and I, about how I loved, like, with the way Alex was, for those who were 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 not listening, Alex's anticipation for Oblivion was off the charts. And that, that director... As, as someone who loves Tron Legacy and, mm-hmm. and, and gained that, a lot of respect for Joe Kaczynski, the director, in that case. Yeah, he loves that film, and that aesthetic really appeals to him. And for me, I love District 9 to an insane level, and... That is more my aesthetic for sci-fi. Is like the dirtier, post-apocalyptic kind of yeah. gritty. Like I'm a big Mad Max. That type of of sci-fi is more my my speed. And so the the newer Elysium trailers that are showing more of the world and stuff is just so 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 good. Yeah, can't wait to see that. And uh, I can't wait for Neil Blomkamp to announce his next movie. I think the guy is really going to be and Kaczynski as well. Yeah, is he doing is Tron Legacy two Tron, Tron three Tron three is not totally set in stone yeah. mm-hmm. so we'll oh. see we'll see all right tim how has this movie how has this year in movies gone in your opinion <laughs> i was just like i remember when we sat down and we're like let's do this let's do this segment i'm like yeah let's do it and then like i haven't seen half the movies i want to see <laughs> like stoker i still haven't seen the um park chan 
It's that. Yeah. I, did I screw that up? No, I, I remember. people go either way. Yeah. But I still haven't seen that. Um, did you see the new Malik? Which one? To, to the, the wonder. wonder. I did not. Okay. I lo- I'm sorry, Terrence. I'm sorry. <laughs> number, I didn't mean to like, call you out. Your number one Midwest font. Mid- <laughs> I can't talk. Uh, I'm going diff- to go get a beer. <laughs> I'm going to be Willie on this week. <laughs> but um, other than that, I, yeah, there's a lot I still haven't caught up with. Um, the Last Stand with Arnold and Johnny Knoxville. Still haven't seen it. Bullet to the head. But out, my, out of what my boy Walter Hill. Out of what you've seen, oh, has there been anything that's disappointed you? You know the answer to this, Alex. <laughs> yeah, Star. Well, I wasn't on the Star Trek episode. Um, I won't go into it too much. Go into it. Yeah. I, well, what I'll say is this: I would like to give the movie another shot because what I do is when, and a lot of people do this, I'm sure. When something annoys me, like a character change or something, I get angry during the movie, and I just nitpick the hell out of the rest of it. <laughs> so maybe with... I still would probably, like, thinking back, I would rank it towards the lower end of the Star Trek movies, but I might be a little, a little nicer on it. Yeah, going in to it with what I know now, maybe. Okay. But that was a disappointment. Um this is hard to say it was a disappointment because I didn't really hate it, but I, was, I had a little higher expectations for G.I. Joe Retaliation. I, like, yeah. I, it, it's not a movie I really disliked, but I was expecting maybe a maybe maybe a higher... You, you were expecting somebody to care about the complete destruction of London by a titanium rod that was dropped out of the sky. <laughs> a little. Or just like Tungsten. not... Tungsten. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yes, excuse me, Tungsten. Or maybe go a little more into the uh, Nanomite Wars. I was more <laughs> interested in that. But I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, come on, man. How hard is it to make a sweet G.I. Joe movie? Right. They're and, both fun. I, and I they both have their them. moments, but they're both, I don't know, there's there's more to be had there. Yeah, and I don't think either one of them ever capitalized on it, and I don't know if we'll get a third one. I don't know. Have they said? I think so. I think yeah. they've they've greenlit a third one at least, or something. They're working. They're developing a third one. Okay. I forgot to talk about Fast John 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 yeah. Chu. That's the right one, right? John Chu, yes. John Chu yeah. has signed on to do the third one, I believe. I think that's all we know at this point. Okay. So. Um, as far as yeah, Iron Man three and Fast six pretty much met my expectations. I was, I expected to enjoy them. I enjoyed them quite a bit. Um, Six was a surprise. Well, the the Fast and Furious renaissance that Alex and I went through together... <laughs> that was very surprising. Was, <laughs> it was the biggest surprise of my summer, certainly. And the fact that we we loved them so much. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. Um, that was, a, that was a, a bright, shiny period in Midwest film history. It was. Uh, let's see. That, that, that's a sign that we grew as people. You know, I think so. It grew as movie you might watchers. say that Fast Furious was our coming of age. <laughs> the Midwest uh, coming of age. <laughs> what episode was that? Was that in the twenties? Uh, it was twenty nine. Oh, look at that! So we're late bloomers, that was, but it's okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, your last year before your thirties. <laughs> um, John dies at the end. It's a movie I kind of wanted to talk about because I don't know if a lot of people have seen it. And no, it's a Don. Coscarelli John Coscarelli movie. movie. It's based on a book by a Cracked editor, Cracked.com editor. Okay. He wrote it as a series of, like, he released each chapter on the on the web. It's oh. kind of that. And it was released as a book. It's a really fun book if you haven't read it. Um, it starts to lose a little towards the end, but it's it's a lot of fun. The movie is uh, quite fun as well. It's very much in the vein of, well, Don Coscarelli is the director who directed the Phantasm movies. He directed Bubba Hotep. So a lot of 
kind of horror, like lesser known maybe horror movies. Um, so if you're into that kind of thing, um, it's got a little bit. It's not as good as Big Trouble in Little China, but a little bit of a Big Trouble in Little China vibe to it too. Okay. So it's it's an interesting movie to maybe seek out. As far as the rest of the year, yeah, Elysium looks really really good. Um, my boy Riddick is back. Oh. September. Yeah, Riddick is back. The Coens are back. I'm excited about yeah. that with Inside yeah. Lewin Davis. And then, what was oh the one I'm. This is might be because I love the original old boy, like I think it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Obvious, but it's Spike Lee and Josh Rowland. I love Spike. I love Spike Lee. I should what? put that. I love Spike Lee. Whoa! Uh, oh, I know. <laughs> I know. I've gotten I've gotten crap from this from I think Willie too. And then I went through Spike Lee's filmography with Willie, and Willie started like liking. I'm calling Willie out because he's not here. But he started liking like most of Spike Lee's movie. Like Willie, you like Spike Lee too. You just you, but um. I like Spike Lee quite a bit. I think he's made some really, really... I think 25th Hour is an amazing movie. Um, but I also think... I'm also kind of looking forward to it, because he's the type of guy who can just make a flat-out disaster, too. So it could be... <laughs> like, it, I could go on either end of the spectrum. and just, just excited for the show. Like, I just want to see what happens. I don't want him to make a boring old boy. Like, I either want him to make a really great... Re- or just go all out. And they released the poster today. I think the trailer comes out Wednesday. But the poster is really weird. The poster looks like an 80s New Wave video. Yeah, you should check it out. It's really weird. I can't believe they released it on a poster. It's really strange. Because I can't imagine someone like not familiar with Old Boy going into the theater and just going, what? Why is Josh Brolin climbing out of a box in a field with a girl with an umbrella behind it? It's very strange. So yeah. those are the ones I think I'm probably the most looking forward to. I might remember some later. Okay. Riddick. Riddick. Yeah, the Riddick man, trailer when... was really good. I realized I forgot to say that I think Thor 2 slid off of my top 10 anticipated list. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I wanted to touch on that. Because the trailer is... I hate the trailer. <laughs> or maybe, yeah. Part. Do you hate the trailer? I really don't like it. I think okay. it's a pretty bad trailer. I've actually liked the trailer less and less as I've watched it. <laughs> I don't know. I, don't know. I felt really Which bad because yeah. I initially watched it and I was texting Alex, other Alex, and Willie about it. And they were like, oh my god. And I was like, guys, I think it looks kind of crappy. Yeah. And I was like, there's what's here that looks awesome it's not like the trailer for the first Thor which looked amazing oh and I wanted to yeah because we wanted to talk a little bit about movies that have maybe slid down to as anticipated and I'm this is one I'm kind of worried about and because I, I want it to be there's not a lot of great comedy sequels I think maybe Naked Gun 2 Austin I like the second Austin Powers quite a bit and then I don't know because like most of them are like Caddyshack 2 and, but, like, Anchorman 2's trailer, I was not... But you know what? Like, I like when it. I went back and watched the first Anchorman trailer, it's kind of not great either. Yeah. So I'm kind of holding out a little bit of hope, but that one kind of shook me. I kind of want to just keep doing the announcement trailers that they were doing. <laughs> oh, you're not familiar. I'm talking to Alex. No, no, no. no. I, know, I know the announcement ones. Uh, yeah. I did see the teasers. The announcement ones. I kind of want to just do that because the people that are going to go see Anchorman are probably already sold on it. So I'll let yeah. Alex That's go true. now. All right. Okay. So, yeah, right off the top. Tim kind of stole it a little bit, but I never in a million years would I have thought that Fast and Furious 6 would have shown up, should have shown up on my most anticipated, and uh, we'll see if 7 shows up next year, I suppose, <laughs> if it actually comes out next year, but yeah, um, but yeah, so Fast and Furious 6 kind of kind of blew any expectations that I had of it out of the water, and I didn't really have any, so... Um, Iron Man 3, I knew it was going to be good. I didn't know I was going to love it as much as I 
as I did. I didn't know that we were going to get that much of a Shane Black movie out of Iron Man 3, and I'm really, really glad that we did. Um, Oblivion... Oblivion was a bit of a disappointment. I, I wanted more out of it, but I don't really know what I wanted out of it, which is the dumb thing. And as Nick said, you know, maybe if I had seen a few trailers, my, my expectations would have been tempered. But to tell you the truth, even with the trailers, having watched them after seeing the movie, I probably still would have been disappointed. Like, I wanted that movie to be about so much more than it, than it really was, and I wanted that movie to... Which, you know, it's kind of a theme with Tron Legacy, because... I do really, really, really love Tron Legacy, but I do also agree with people that it doesn't quite reach the heights that Tron does in kind of commenting on current technology and, and you know, a lot of the things that people look back on Tron for, which is, you know, they didn't know at the time that Tron was really going to do that, and yeah. so it's, you know, it's got to be hard to actually go ahead and try to accomplish that, but, um, but... Obli- yeah, Oblivion Oblivion was a little bit of a disappointment, and, and it makes me sad, but sometimes it happens, you know. I'm still looking forward to Joe Kaczynski's next movie, and um, even upon a second viewing, I enjoyed it a little bit more, I think, but uh, yeah, overall, a little bit of a disappointment. Um, still looking forward to Elysium. Um, that's That's probably one of the more anticipated movies that I have. However, I think probably my most anticipated movie at this point is going to be The Spectacular Now, which wasn't even on my radar at the oh, beginning yeah. of the year. But I've heard such good buzz out of it, and, and I like some, at least some, like, I like Shailene Woodley, and, and, you know, and Miles Teller's, you know, I don't really go either way on Who's him. Who's Miles Teller? Miles Teller's Footloose and uh, 21 that, and that, I, I ask this every time. you got to just say <laughs> the Peyton Manning kid. The kid that looks like Peyton Manning and I don't remember it. Okay, I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> so I, I I am excited for it. I, you know, I love the fact that we're getting this kind of resurgence of coming-of-age movies and, and that I think uh, the spectacular now is kind of different than the other two that we're seeing because it, it, this... Spectacular Now could really kind of fit in both the coming of age and relationship like yeah movie that I was talking about earlier. So I'm I'm ex- I'm excited at, at what it could be. It's, and it's the 500 Days of Summer writer. Yes. Okay. So uh, you know that that also has me excited. But um, but other than that, I mean, uh, you know, Star Star Trek was uh, I enjoyed it, but I don't think it was as good as I wanted it to be. And knowing what we know about it now, I wish it had gone in a different direction. I think I think people came out of my review kind of understanding that. As much as I do love it for what it reflects of the past, yeah, um, and and how it has turned a few of those elements on its head, I still feel as though it could have accomplished something completely different and something new, as as I felt Abrams wanted to do with the series. Yeah. <clears throat> so, you know, that that just kind of that sucked a little bit. But, you know, it was still it's still I th- I still think it's a very entertaining movie. Okay. Um I think Evil Dead Evil <laughs> Dead kind of came out of nowhere for you guys and and uh, I mean, when you guys had seen the trailer, you were like, "Okay, I'm kind of intrigued about it now," but uh I forgot about that. that e- Evil- I still haven't seen Evil Dead. Evil Dead's definitely worth checking out. Yeah. Um I I enjoyed it more than I figured I would, because 
I'm not typically a horror kind of guy. So, uh, Burt Wonderstone. I when I look back on it, I'm not like it was a great movie, but I still it was a ton of fun, and yeah. I think it would have been easy for that movie to just be like total complete crap and and not have anything out of it. But even if you just take it as what it is, which is Steve Carell and Steve Buscemi and and Jim Carrey hamming it up as much as they possibly yeah. can, how can that not be entertaining? Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I mean that's that's kind of how how the year has gone for me and and where where I am excited to go with it. I, I inside the well and Davis should be pretty good. Yeah, is, is there, that that what's that? Is that like I feel like that's coming out December, November, December, something like that. Yeah, I think it's no, I can't remember. I think it's might be late November. But okay. Yeah. Okay. Not completely sure. But yeah, so, you know. December 6th. Okay. Okay. So I'm excited about that, although that could leak into next year, especially because it's <clears throat> probably a limited release and, you know. Yeah. Who knows, but. Yeah, so I think I think this year in movies has been. Uh, Is there anything you're less excited for? Not really. Okay. Not really. I mean, it's, it's, that's, it's funny because the whole anticipated and, and you know, less excited for it. Yeah, you get I, I don't watch any trailers, <laughs> so it's not like any new media is going to come out that's like, hey, you know. I guess, in a way, Thor, because, like, after hearing some of the production troubles that it could be going through and okay. how the score's been changing hands, uh, I'm, I'm a little worried about that one, but I'm still pretty excited for it. Um, and, you know, we don't even know how much of that's really true anyways. I I'd like to think that they wouldn't just kick Alan Taylor out of the, the editing room, but Kevin Feige's kind of a strong personality, so it's was that, possible. Was was that was that confirmed? Was that no? I don't okay. think it's ever been. I don't think it's been confirmed, but that was just kind of what the reports were at the time. So okay, you know, we'll. I guess that's something they don't confirm, but no, yeah, yeah that's you're not going to come out and say that, yeah, yeah, we we kicked the. I director. just wasn't sure if that was one of those amazing. No, it's rumors. that's it's. It's a rumor, but I don't know how we don't know how much water it really carries okay. at this point. So we'll see. Yeah, we'll check in at the end of the year with the with the kind of wrap up, and uh, and we'll go from there. But I think it was it's it's good to kind of check in and see how our expectations have ebbed and flowed. Yeah. As the year has gone on, so um, we can move into our full review of Nat Faxon and Jim Rash's The Way Way Back. Um. Starring Sam Rockwell, uh, Steve Carell, Tony Collette, Amanda Peet, Rob Corddry, um, many other people. What are we forgetting? Maya Rudolph is in it. Yeah, Maya um, Rudolph, Nat Faxon, and Jim Rash. Anna Sophia Robb. Anna Sophia Robb, and then the kid himself is uh, Liam James, I believe. Okay. Introducing Liam James. Is he a newcomer? Um, I don't actually know. No, if he's he is in The Killing. Oh. He plays Mariel Enos' son. Well, there you go. Hey. But anyway, the uh, synopsis on IMDb is 14-year-old Duncan's summer vacation with his mother, her overbearing boyfriend, and his daughter. Wow, this is really poorly written, because that was a sentence, apparently. <laughs> Complete thought. <laughs> <laughs> Having a rough time fitting in, Duncan, Duncan finds an expe- unexpected friend in Owen, played by Sam Rockwell. Uh, the manager of the Water Wiz Water Park. 
you know, buying that first sentence, it works pretty well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, as we've kind of hinted at in the beginning, and uh, as we talked about with the Kings of Summer, which neither of you guys were present for, but no. uh, we're, we're seeing a bit of a resurgence of coming-of-age films, and um, it's kind of interesting, and, and, and I'll, we'll talk about some of the things that we discussed after the movie, but uh, first shoot to Tim and see how you felt about the way way back I liked it I feel like I might say a lot of the things I said about last week's movie and that I feel <laughs> kind of the same ways about them and that they're like they're both solid doubles and not home runs I guess like I like I enjoyed them but I, I'm not gonna go champion them but I, yeah. I like this I appreciated I, I said this coming out of the theater but I have a hard time with some some movies that are in this vein maybe not so much coming of age I call them sad white people movies <laughs> because it's a lot of middle class white people just being sad all the time and when I watch a lot of these movies and I'm just like what are you guys so sad about <laughs> like, <laughs> really guys really I don't but um, that's a whole different podcast I guess <laughs> um, but yeah it's just so I, going into this, I like, but then Jim I, Jim Ration um, is it Nat Faxon? Nat Faxon. Nat Faxon. I really like The Descendants quite a bit. Um, mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of Community. Um, I like Nat Faxon from a lot of the stuff he did with like What Had American Summer. He was on uh, he was on with like Party Down. A lot of stuff we did with guys from like the state and stuff. Yeah. Um, so I'm I'm a fan of his too. Um, so yeah, I enjoyed this quite a bit. I liked. It's a very. It never veers into that over dramatic, just kind of. It, there are times when it gets a little melodramatic, but it always is it's consistently funny throughout. Yeah. And that's kind of what I like the most about it is it, it was, it's a very, very funny movie. And I appreciated that. It was never too somber, I don't think. Um, it's, it, it, it's a little bit, I don't want to, are we spoiling? What are we doing? Uh, yeah. I, I, mean, I guess I, mean, this, I won't really spoil too much, but it, it's a little by the numbers at times. There's some stuff. You can, there's a certain expectations by saying yeah. that it's a coming of age movie that we don't yeah. really have to go into detail about. And but. even even a lot of the um, relationship stuff between Steve Carell and Tony Collette's characters could come off as a little, a little bit. But it never, I, it never took. And a lot of that I think had to do with the sense of humor yeah. that the movie has. It's it, it's one of the funnier movies I've seen, uh, probably this year. Which okay. I guess, <laughs> judging by what I said earlier, I haven't seen any. But uh, but yeah, I enjoyed it quite a bit. It's um it's light, it's funny, it's smart. It's not. It's like a. It's like an early Weezer album. So <laughs> I enjoyed it. All right, Nick, how did you feel about the way way back? I feel this movie was like a late Godsmack album. <laughs> it's uh, unwarranted. Why? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I'm just kidding. Uh, it's midlife Godsmack. No, yeah. it's um. I think Tim summed it up pretty well. I I rather enjoyed it. I had a lot of fun watching it. It's funny talking about how funny it was, but all of, not all, ninety eight percent of the humor in the movie comes from Sam Rockwell. Yeah. Yes. He is the reason the movie is so funny. Nat Faxon to a slightly less him and Jim Rash to a slightly lesser degree. All the supporting characters are what's so funny. The kid has some humorous moments, like the little shitty bike he has to ride is funny, and just <laughs> kind of how weird and frumpy he is is funny. But it's um, you know, as, after after the movie, we were taught we were walking and talking about it, and I was kind of saying how I I did really enjoy it, but I couldn't precisely 
pinpoint why. I just felt uh, the way Tim... What movie was it where you talked about? I remember even saying this too, that like last... What did we talk about last week? Uh, Much Ado. Much Ado. It was Much Ado About Nothing that Tim described as being a light, breezy, fun, Saturday movie type thing. That's exactly how I felt about this movie. Mm -hmm. It was... um, it was fun. It was indie enough in terms in in affectation, kind of like Little Miss Sunshine, but it, it, without trying too hard, without forcing it so much. It just it just was, and uh, I I enjoyed it f- for that. It wasn't too long. It just came out. It it rolled right along from point A to point B. It didn't really have a defining need. The movie just kind of starts, and you're like, okay, here's the kid stuck in a situation he doesn't want to be in, and watch him fumble his way through it pretty interesting I think in the middle I I remember talking about this before as well I in the middle it kind of hits the fast forward button a little bit weirdly I know you had a lot to say about that Alex so I won't get too far into it but uh, I thought everybody in it was good I really loved the ending Uh, glad it didn't have any cheesy Anna Sophia chasing after the car <laughs> or like you know riding the shitty bike to the gas station to meet yeah. them and like jump in and join him or like an epilogue of you know next summer the next summer him him driving himself back like with his new driver's license and you know it was cool that the movie basically was one of those movies about here is a here is a moment in your life that will shape you and will ultimately deter- help determine who you are and these are the players in that moment in your life, and you will probably depart from them, and you may not see them again. You may not see them for many more years, but they will always have that lasting impact on you. Yeah. And I really loved it for that. Like it's like these, because everybody has those people in their lives where you know there are certain people who, for better and certainly many for worse, helped by their interactions with you determine who you are today. And there are there are numerous I can think of that uh, that I don't even know where they are right now, or you know we're Facebook friends or whatever that means. But yeah. we don't uh, I don't actively see them, but yet they have they played a pivotal role in my development, and um, I really enjoyed it for that that factor. I think it was uh, it was pretty cool watching this kid kind of finally have some some support almost. Yeah. But it was. Uh, I'm glad it didn't really shy away. It didn't get too into the problems of the adults, but it didn't shy away from it really either. Yeah. It didn't try to sweep it under or just be like, "Here is stressed mother character," but we don't know why she's stressed. It like talked a little bit about it. It made her into a character without making the movie about her, and it didn't mean that he had to share the movie with her. That was nice. Yeah, I think it's cool too that I didn't know that Jim Rash and Nat Faxon were the writers directors until the movie was over. I think it's really cool that they were able to write and direct the movie and perfectly place themselves as these total <laughs> character actors. Like, they know their strengths. It's yeah. awesome. Because Nat Faxon was, like, my favorite character in the movie. <laughs> he was just so perfectly placed, and so was Jim Rash. They yeah. were both just phenomenal. Uh-huh. And uh, I look forward to seeing if the two of them continue to write and direct together and if they continue to drop themselves throughout the movies, uh, see what kind of characters they play. So I'm glad that they... You know, they didn't try to make Nat Faxon into the Owen character yeah. or Jim Rash into, like, the Steve Carell or anything like that. They, didn't, cool pull that they, they didn't pull a Ben Affleck. Yes, I mean. they're just ancillary characters who are there, and they serve a purpose, but the movie doesn't need them, but they just help flesh it out. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I, I did rather enjoy it. That was a fun movie. All right. Yeah, I enjoyed the movie uh, quite a bit. I would say probably just as much as you guys did, but I do have a few issues with it. I, I think the kid uh, 
could have been a stronger actor. And I, and you guys were both kind of like, yeah, but he's supposed to be pretty awkward and stuff. And I think that's true to an extent. But after seeing, like, The Kings of Summer and, and some other movies that have, like, really strong child actors in them, I feel as though somebody with just a little bit more skill could have still been awkward but still sold the, the portrayal a little bit better. But it's kind of a minute, you know, because even though the kid's kind of the heart of the movie, this is really very much about everybody else who's in it, too. So, um... Yeah, it could have easily been Owen's movie. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and you know, come for the Sam Rockwell and stay for the Sam Rockwell. <laughs> uh, my only other issue with it is, and, and this is kind of what I was talking about with, with you know, you kind of know where the coming-of-age movie's going to go. I feel as though, pacing-wise, I didn't really feel like it was a light, breezy movie. It, it Pacing felt a little bit messed up, and a lot of it was with the fact that the, the movie's very front-loaded with look how pathetic this kid is and then as Nick said at some point the fast-forward button gets hit and you know there's like maybe two or three scenes of like he's accepting how these people affected him and his life is being shaped in this new way and yeah I wish that they had done a little bit more in in, in fleshing out that arc it feels pretty it feels a little bit stilted, but it's still, I think it's still a very enjoyable movie despite those flaws. Um, I think it's very interesting to see Steve Carell playing the, uh, just, he plays, it's, it's I, a pretty dickish wanna, character I, for Steve Carell. I, I should, uh, that opening scene, and I was thinking of it like that opening scene, it, it's the opening scene is Steve Carell plays a used car salesman that's dating um, the main character, the kid's mother. And he asks the kid who's in the backseat, like, what do you rank yourself, like, on a scale of 1 to 10? Yeah. And the kid won't answer. And, like, that's a really, really strong opening scene. It is. To me. Like, it's it really, is. like, it It sets up those two characters really well, like, in just one quick conversation like that. I was very, like, I was thinking about the day, I'm like, that's really good. Like, and that kind of sets up the whole movie. And, like, the kid, I can't remember what he says. He says, like, a so six. six. Yeah. yeah, and then Steve Carell goes, no, you're three. Yeah. Yeah, and I just went, oh, that's good. You, you, <laughs> it's good, because you kind of immediately know, like, how you feel with respect to Steve Carell and where the movie's going to go from there. It's a very good, like, setup yeah. to the rest of the movie. And you and we've all, and I, maybe a lot of people... Uh, can identify with the kid because we all know a lot of people like Steve Carell or we've met people like Steve Carell's character who would say something like that to somebody yeah, yeah. And, and it's and like they're just to a teenage kid yeah, yeah I've met people like that and I'm just like oh and I appreciate the fact that Steve Carell pulls it off he d- yeah. like it's it's not it's not necessarily the way that I would have seen him but I think he does a good job with it and um you know, Anna Sophia Robb does a pretty good job, too. Yeah, I liked her. You know, as somebody who came from, like, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. I thought Alison Janney was really, really funny in this. Alison Janney was, was, yeah. was quite good. I, she's generally pretty good. She mm-hmm. she's, so, she's so abrasive that I was like, oh, my God, <laughs> give me a scene without this woman in it. Which I think is kind of what they were going yeah. for. So it, She it, chewed the scenery up pretty good. <laughs> yeah, she did. She did. And 
Her son, that kid who played her <laughs> yeah. son, was hysterical. The kid who played oh, her son. Oh yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Oh my god, that kid, like Peter or whatever. Yeah. yeah. The fact that he can that he can take what what they're dishing out to him, you know. I I really liked that. There was only a couple moments of that relationship that were, but there was, it was really at times kind of sweet because like they they were just giving each other crap and like it was fun to watch yeah. that happen. I, I didn't. Maybe didn't expect it to go that route at first. I thought did, maybe yeah. not. Because he it, talked back to her just as much. <laughs> and he like did, she totally took it. it was, I love at the end of the movie when she was like, where have you been, mister? He's like, get out of here, woman, or whatever <laughs> he said. He's like, out of my way, woman. Yeah, it's, it's good because it could have been really slanted towards like in the beginning, especially with her, you know, digging yeah. on his, his lazy eye. Like, yeah. But they, they definitely make it kind of an equal, yeah. equal a give and take. But... Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if there's a whole lot. Oh, I, I did want to talk about a little bit. It's very strange, because like other coming-of-age movies, you think of like John Hughes stuff, like Ferris Bueller and The Breakfast Club and all that stuff. Uh, Stand By Me. Stand By Me maybe kind of fits in with this movie a little bit more, but there's a lot of coming-of-age movies that feel like they are programmed to the people that they're portraying. Like, The Breakfast Club, you can appreciate it yeah. as an adult. And that's a mark of John Hughes and how awesome he was. But, I mean, it, you can appreciate any movie that's really good as long as you're somebody who appreciates movies. But mm-hmm. I feel as though The Breakfast Club is definitely centered and focused. Like, the humor and everything that is that is in it is aimed at the kids that are in that Breakfast Club, you know? And this movie's weird. Because I feel like a lot of the humor that's in it, it won't necessarily go over like the fourteen-year-old's head. But I don't think I don't think it's I don't think it's directed at them a lot of the time. I think a lot of the situations, especially with the parents and 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 uh, a lot of the kind of outside looking in, I just don't feel as though you'd appreciate it as like a fourteen-year-old. Not at all. So it's kind of strange. It's I I said after the movie that it's kind of like a coming-of-age movie that's not aimed at the the kid that it's portraying. Yeah. And um you know, and and, and Nick you kind of said with Owen, Owen does kind of have his own arc. Sam Rockwell's character has his own arc and that's kind of interesting, but it's not he's so kind of like he's such a side character in the story that it it doesn't it, it it's like this movie doesn't necessarily know exactly where it wants to be with respect to being a coming of age movie. Like, they, they wrote the jokes and things for themselves, but they wanted to tell the story about this kid mm-hmm. anyway. It's very... It's kind of in, like, this lost territory, in my opinion. Okay. Do you guys have any thoughts well, on there that? Well, was, there was the one comment I had made uh, while, after we'd seen the movie where I said I liked... The movie seemed to send out one message, and then it kind of one-upped it with another one, where I feel like early on in the movie, they they give off this kind of message of you know your life is is what you make of it and it's it's okay to be the guy who works at the water park because sam rockwell relatively early on when he first gives uh the kid the job what's his name the character the kid yeah Uh, duncan i I want to stop calling him the kid duncan uh when he gives duncan the job at the water park he goes this is a place where where dreams are made or, or broken he goes in that if you are cool with the fact that you work at a water park or you are like, oh god, I work at a water park or he has some, some line to that effect and the movie introduces you to these characters that, that enjoy their job at the water park enough because they, they make 
they make do with what they have, and they're like, you know what, I work at a water park, that's okay, I have fun with it anyway. Yep. And Sam Rockwell's character does that to an extent, Nat Faxon's does as well as uh, Maya Rudolph to a lesser extent. She's kind of like, it's okay for now, but I don't want to look back and say it was like a waste. Um, but then late in the movie, Sam Rockwell's character has a really good scene with Duncan. It's finally the first real heart-to-heart scene that anybody has with this poor kid the whole movie. Yeah. And which is why it hit me like a ton of bricks, because it is so... It comes out of nowhere, and it's such an abrupt shift in the tone that he he tells him, he's like, you... Because the kid's like, I like it here. This is the only place I feel good. He basically says, I want to be you. And which is after the montage you see of the kid kind of becoming like Sam Rockwell, learning all his shtick, yep. that he wants to grow up to be Sam Rockwell. And Sam Rockwell tells him, like, no, <laughs> that's not good enough. Like, you, you've got the whole world ahead of you. You don't need to settle yet. And like Alex pointed out, the yet that you can go and explore and live and find what you like about life and the world and you can go live that and you don't have you're not at a position where you have to settle down and be like this is what I have I better play the hand now which is kind of where Sam Rockwell's character is yeah and the part so it's interesting that with his character he's not he's not making the best of of his scenario because that's who he is necessarily it's because that's where he is and that's what he's got at this point in his life because he's clearly like late 30s type of guy and uh i just thought that was really interesting that the movie kind of flipped on flipped that on its head because it presents it as a very light relatively funny movie and then it finally starts to get heavy right in that third act yeah and before you're like oh wow you know that's 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 true and i, I thought it was really cool that the the movie like you said alex is aimed at adults who it's funny and it's sad, but it, it's just like real life where the adults will watch this movie and be like, that's so true, hopefully. And they'll remember what it was like to be that age and have all those options because your parents and your, your aunts and uncles and you know your older brothers and sisters or whatever, they always joke with you that you're so young and you, have, you can do anything you want. Why do it? And then, you know, or why settle for this? And then you fast forward 10 years and suddenly... You're a little more entrenched in where you are in life. And then another five, ten years, and before you know it, that's where you are. And you're yeah. in that place. And, you know, <laughs> did you choose to go do that or did you not? And you look back on all the different forks in the road of your life and, you know, what might have been. And it's funny because teenagers never, never listen and they never get it. And it's just the endless paradox that parents go, if only you knew... <laughs> This you know, is the closest that I've come to crying out of the whole experience of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's so true because your parents always go, you know, you say that now, or, you know, when you're a teenager, it's, it's the cliche thing that parents uh, and adults always say that, oh, teenagers always think they're right. There's even that line in the movie, I know you're 14 and you think you're always right and you think you know everything. And as a teenager, you hate that shit. You're like, that's not true, or you are. You're like, that is true, I think everything's right. But you don't know how wrong you are and how nothing you know. Yeah. And even despite all of your immeasurable, already at that point, you know, your sum total of your experience of 14 entire years on Earth is a long time. But when it's the first 14 years of your life, it's nothing. Yeah. And you don't know anything. And you haven't experienced anything. And you need another 14 of all the same shit, of all the highs and the lows and the joys and the heartbreak and, and the friendships and the relationships and all that shit coming and going before you're like, wow, I get it now. And that's why... This movie was kind of cool to me. <laughs> and the, the longest winded sentence I could have. Uh, just pure stream of consciousness. I remember thinking, like... I remember it was when we were on the way back from the bar, so I'm sure it made even less sense then. But we... Uh, 
that's the way I felt, and that's why it's interesting how it's presented for adults. Because, like you said, a 14-year-old isn't going to get anything out of it, and that sucks. Yeah. Because this is the movie for a 14-year-old to watch, and if they could understand it, I'm sure there's some remarkable kids out there that would watch it and be like, oh, wow, yeah, totally. <laughs> but, uh, I mean... Thinking of where I was as a fourteen-year-old, hell no. <laughs> yeah, hell they, no. They, I would have thought the movie was funny, and I would have loved Sam Rockwell, but it would have gone like at seven forty-seven right over my head. But maybe like you remember, like you're twenty-eight, and you remember loving this movie with Sam Rockwell as a fourteen-year-old, and then you watch it as twenty-eight, and you're like, oh god. But no, I never mind. I see what you're saying. <laughs> but yeah, it's just so a, then you could learn. But then I also I wanted to add on to a little something because you kept going, you know, the next fourteen years, the next fourteen years, and then you get to forty-two in the next fourteen years, and you're still just completely lost like his parents so that was kind of funny <laughs> yeah, to me exactly, too like yeah. nobody movie. ever really figures it out sam rockwell actually has probably the best handle on it in the movie <laughs> <laughs> working at the water park That's with true. the girl that he likes and his friend so well you know and it's it's experiences like that that and and sometimes those shit jobs like a lot of young adults and, and adults inhabit yeah. Are if you can just pay attention, those are the ones that will reveal the most about about your life and who yeah. you are because it'll it'll teach you what you're equipped to deal with and not deal with. Like I have I have some friends who have will just they they don't really have to deal with that anymore. They're in their their jobs and their careers. They they've kind of lost touch with the common person and they and they forget what it's like to yeah to have those kind of problems. And that's you know total diversion, but somewhat related. I love the movie curious case of benjamin button a lot of people hate that movie and that's fine i understand there's lots of legitimate gripes about that movie mm-hmm. but i think that that movie is similar to this and that you have a character who's a relatively bland guy who's not particularly interesting but all the other people around him are what are interesting and it's interesting watching them shape him and him shape them and the interaction yeah. is what's interesting and <clears throat> in that movie he there's that whole amazing montage towards the end of that movie of him writing the letter to his daughter who he doesn't know and he's and there's the montage of him working all these mundane jobs like as a as a janitor and as a as a night security guard just the kind of shit you yeah. have to do just to get by but that's the kind of character he is he's just a normal dude who does what he has to do in order to survive and keep moving and keep living and keep experiencing definitely. and i think there's definitely a, a beauty in that those jobs suck and we've all worked them and a lot of us will work them our entire lives there's <laughs> nothing wrong with that you just have to know that that's what you have to do in order to keep moving forward and and uh, and keep experiencing what you what you want to in life, and I think that's you know Rockwell's character kind of has a, the same take on it, where he's like, I work at this water park, it's stupid. Yeah. I live in an apartment above a <laughs> damn water park, <laughs> but while I'm here, I have these friends, these people who are like my adoptive family. Yep. And that's why it's worth it. And like you can be pissed, you know. There are the people that work at the the video stores and the the Home Depots and stuff of the world. And your job, yeah, probably it might suck if you're like a 50 year old guy and you work in the nail department of, of Home Depot. That kind of sucks, and, and nobody wants to brag about that. But if you go home at the end of the day and you have your family or you have your friends or you have your fantasy football or, or all that, that's that's what it's all about. Yeah. And I think the two movies are kind of interesting in that regard. And I, I, I didn't even think of that until you said that, Tim, that there's the adult characters, too, that don't know what the hell's going on. No. Yeah. There's, there's, <laughs> just... there's three firm phases of life in this movie that, yeah. are, that are not equally represented, but they're all touched upon, and they're not ignored. Yeah. It's, uh, oh, no, I didn't, that didn't even, like, until you started pretty interesting. going on in that. So, yeah. No, that was good, yeah. A new appreciation? <laughs> <laughs> no, you maybe <laughs> like the movie, movie better, actually. <laughs> so, yeah. I'm excited to see what else these two keep writing and directing. Yeah. 
Well, I'm hoping people... I'm hoping people get a chance to see it, because I know that it's not actually out here yet. There's nowhere to go and see it. I don't really know if it's doing, like, a limited release right now, or... Oh, I think it... it... How it's trickling out at the moment. I Maybe that's why they had the test screening, just to get engaged, because they were interviewing people. Maybe they wanted to see how, how yeah. well it did here in Michigan, and if they yeah. should bring it, or... Maybe, yeah. But I hope people do get a chance, even if you're not going to see it when it comes out, um... I hope this at least points you towards it. Yeah, I don't think we really spoil. There's not much to spoil. No, I mean a lot yeah, of it's so a lot of it's kind of don't worry about that. Yeah, yeah. nothing but, blows you away. Yeah, I mean in terms of how surprising it was, but the reason I drew that Benjamin Button parallel, I remember now, was you had mentioned you thought you'd rather have a stronger actor in the role, but I think the kid was pretty perfect for what it was because I know he's not a bad actor because I've seen him in The Killing, um, and he's good in that show, but he. Uh, I think he was good for the kind of milk toasty attitude that his character has to have because he's like I said he's kind of like milk toasty. <laughs> he's kind of like Benjamin Button where he's just this kind of guy who's just there yeah. and he's being and plus he's you know he's like he's a 14 year old like we I had said this too that he his there's no we don't see a, a big sea change in him in this movie like we see him get shoved in that direction there's a little montage of him having fun with the idea of kind of growing up to be Sam Rockwell but in the end, we've only seen about three months of this kid's life. And if he was a totally different kid by the end of the movie, I'd be kind of like, eh. No, it's pretty believable that the, there's a, it's a big push in the right direction. And, and we'll see if, if maybe he'll go home and he'll apply what he learned that summer to the rest of his life. And that's, that's true. I just feel as though um, I, may, maybe, maybe the, the awkwardness of the kid and... And what maybe he brought something more to the role than I could notice because I've never seen him in anything before, and and so maybe he did such a good job at being awkward that I thought that he was a bad actor. Well, I think part of it was the writing too, like you said. The movie is front ended with this kid sucks yeah. for like a long yeah. time. The first and, act is probably a little it's too long. And that's the thing <laughs> yeah. is that I'm not necessarily expecting them to arc out this character so that by the end of the movie he's like, I don't know. I was gonna say Jesus, but that doesn't make any sense. Um, this so, is Jesus, but, but I, but I don't lifting weights. This, this is a man it of comes steel. Full circle, yeah. Um, but I, I, I did want there to be like if if you like like you said, Nick. It does feel like the fast forward button gets pushed, and I want I want the pacing to be consistent. If you're gonna have that much, this kid sucks. Then I want more. Here he is. Growing into growing into what he's gonna be. There's no there's no Peter Parker wrestling match. Yeah, I, I want to see yeah. that. I want to yeah. see that shove in that direction. I want to see a little bit more of that subtle change, because in, in in the way that the movie is now, it just kind of feels like oh here's a scene and bam like. Well, I think that if there's any scene that we did get, it was uh, it was the the dancing the break dancing scene. Which I kind of forgot about. Yeah, like but that. even that's kind of like out of step too, because that's like his first day at the job. It's like it was weird. It was it was weirdly forced, but it it played out in a way that I thought was that was appropriate, um, because the kid looks like an asshole and everybody just kind of laughs it off and they admire him for for going for it. Yeah, but he doesn't he doesn't know what else to do. Like he doesn't go for it because he's like. He goes for it because he does whatever people tell him to do yeah. throughout the whole movie, and like Sam Rockwell's like, "What?" Like he's so gullible the whole time. He tells him some dumb shit, and the kid's like, "Huh? You serious?" And Rockwell's like, "No, stop believing everybody. Everything everybody tells you." I think it's kind of 
uh, you know, a little bit of a sub, a little sub arc there, because the whole movie he does what everybody tells him to do, and Steve Carell tells him he's a three, and the kid's like, I'm a three, I'm going to act like a three. And uh, the whole movie, whatever anybody says to him, he kind of fulfills it. And so for, for Rockwell to continually call him out on it, be like, don't do that. And he does it with the Pac-Man machine where he's like, he's like, no patterns on my quarter. <laughs> Forge your own destiny. <laughs> Choose your, make your own path. <laughs> yeah. Rockwell knows, I think Rockwell's Jesus in this movie. No, it's, <laughs> Rockwell's always Jesus. But. All right. Um, I think there's a lot more going on in this movie that we unearthed. Through our conversation, I think but. so. I think so. It's interesting. I'll be, I, will, I will be interested to listen to the commentary by Jim Jim Rash and Nat Faxon and see if they even think about any of the stuff that we've discussed. We should here. send this to them and say, guys, we unearthed so much <laughs> subplot and subtext in your movie. Did you guys write this, or did we? Are we just so disturbed and what, yeah, having what, such Peter are we, Pan midlife what's that crises? Shining documentary that just came out? It's like room room, <laughs> room two, where they do go through all those different theories. That's what we just did for the way way back. Did I think. we just? Did we just bear ourselves to the world unknowingly <laughs> through the way way back? <laughs> no, it's good because we had the, the the breakup movies for me, and then Nick has the way way back for himself. Apparently. <laughs> All right. Anyway, well, like we I, should... like I had said to you, because like Alex and I are are several years apart in age, and t- Tim, are we the same age? What are you? Twenty-eight. Twenty-seven. I'm twenty-nine. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right, well, we're close enough. Um, to where I I, th- I think the perspective is even significantly different for for Tim and I over yeah. Alex because we're closer to 30 than we are to 20 now and I think it's one of those types of movies that will always be interesting to watch through varying stages of your life to see how you you know how you feel about it much like High Fidelity and, and all the other movies that I exactly yeah High Fidelity yeah. man that's one that's it's a perfect one to tie in it's, yes it's the same way see we came full circle <laughs> podcast over <laughs> good night and good luck no um do we want to do a quick letter grade? Yeah, I'll do one. Okay. Um, <laughs> says that same thing every week. I, I got this, guys. <laughs> I know. I, I like to. I like the letter grades. I'm not a letter grade guy, actually, because like I feel like I leave None of myself. Us are. I feel like we only do it at a convention. Really. Yeah. Well, I like. I like to have a final like. I'm a number system guy. I'm not really. A are you a number system? I just don't like doing it when we start doing like movies that should, like should no way be compared at all. <laughs> like or like when we're doing like Fast Six and then. Like yeah, place behind the pines, yeah, and we're yeah, giving yeah, them yeah, because yeah. I feel like it leaves us. But I don't care. Um, I'm gonna give this. I I talked about last week. Much ado, being like a movie to go see if you're tired of seeing like the Lone Ranger or yeah. some like big overblown. I actually, I want to say maybe this one might be a better one to go see because it's a lot more accessible yeah, than yeah. Much Ado. So, and I liked it. I guess a little. I like this quarter. I'm gonna give it a B plus. Okay, that's where I settle. Nick, I um. I don't know, man. See, my my rating has system has gone bizarre because I remember lamenting that, thinking that there there was I had said there was no reason I shouldn't have given Much Ado not an A because I just had a great time watching it. And at the end of the day, with some movies, I really feel the need to to punish them with intense scrutiny <laughs> and say this deserves a B minus and a quarter because it did this shit and this it didn't. And I'm on like an insane record streak. Like I've given like six A's in a row. <laughs> Which is very bizarre. Much Ado was the one that broke the streak. But with this movie, so this movie's an A. <laughs> I mean, it's it's a, it's a in real life. Like if I'm comparing it to the the pantheon of movies, it's like a B. It's in the B range for how it for how I felt watching it and how it affected me personally. It's probably an A. 
and I don't know which of the two scales is more important. You know, looking at it objectively, was it a good movie? Yes, it was a very good movie. Uh, I liked everything about it. Did it did it rise to the occasion to, to get pushed into A territory? No, I guess technically it didn't. But in terms of the criticism that I that it and the discussion that it brought about, I think for that it you know it's an A it's an A for effort. How about that? <laughs> but maybe it's a B in the long run. Who cares? Whatever. <laughs> Spike the mic. <laughs> no, I I was thinking B plus. Um, because I do have issues with it, but I still think it was very enjoyable. Definitely worth seeing. Um, no matter where in your life you're at, I think I think there's something interesting to, to bring out of it. I, I think, think I, I just had the most insane Job moment when when he's like, "I speak for this family now." <laughs> I mean, I could. I don't have to. Obviously, why does it have to be me? Why does it always have to be me? No, I'm out of this family. Forget about it. I'm done. And everyone just watches and goes. Well, all we right. all just become flustered with the yeah, writing thinking, system thinking, at the end of this episode. Thinking too hard about it. It's enough. <laughs> fuck, fuck this movie. And there's your thought for the episode. All right. Um, all right. Week. I think I think we're gonna skip the food for thought. We do have one feedback, uh, one feedback email to read over. Send your feedback, particularly on our scoring system and how you think we should do it, because I think we need a revision on our scoring system. <laughs> And if what you, you can do, if you have any thoughts on how you can elicit tears from Alex. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to start collecting them in a jar. Yes, yes. Selling them. Well, we'll sell them as a as a keepsake for the Midwest Film Nerds <laughs> podcast. But anyway, feedback at MidwestFilmNerds.com for proof of thought questions and general feedback. Uh, so Victor writes back. Uh, he wrote in last week about the DC conversation. I knew it. <laughs> yeah, and how and how uh, he felt as though it was more of a question of... of uh, Marvel versus Warner rather than Marvel versus DC. It says, hey, I thought I'd apologize for the discussion that resulted from my past comment. I don't think you need to apologize. No, don't apologize, no, Victor. I think I think we. It was a fun discussion, and if you felt as though it got heated or whatever, it got that you know. It's, unless it's, unless you hated the discussion. In that's which, not why yes, Willie's not here. He didn't just leave the podcast. <laughs> we fired <laughs> Willie from the podcast. Yeah, Willie's gone. Um, but, His blatant uh, Marvel fanboyism just can't be excused. So Victor said, I probably should have made my point, and then he says in parentheses, Marvel versus Marvel Studios, and left it at that. The Green Lantern sandwich joke was too good to pass up, but the lead up to it was vague and complicated, and the analogy was hard to explain. I appreciated it, so don't worry, Victor. We love sandwiches, so... <laughs> He says, the sandwich, quote-unquote, in question is not a, quote-unquote, movie, but a, quote-unquote, superhero story. And the entire conversation, at least from my point of view, was about the post-Iron Man world. In this day and age, we're not talking about Daredevil or Catwoman, but a much different type of movie. Unfortunately, Green Lantern doesn't really fit in that fold. And he said, while I wasn't ignoring the Dark Knight, I was purposely lumping the Dark Knight Rises with the gross. I don't know. Okay. I don't know. I guess he didn't like The Dark Knight Rises that much. And then he said, NPS, comparing the Green Lantern to Daredevil is an insult to Daredevil. So. <laughs> Man. First of all, I forgot about Catwoman. <laughs> so I, thank you. <laughs> there's a real... If anybody hasn't seen Catwoman, uh, watch, watch it. I don't care. Watch it. I have it. not seen Catwoman. Because there's a scene where Benjamin Bratt plays basketball with Halle Berry, and she does all these cat... It's the dumbest thing. It's... You gotta, you guys gotta I dare it. say dumber is a scene where cats cry and bring her back to life. <laughs> <laughs> and this whole, is not an embellishment. This is how Catwoman comes to pass. She dies, and cats gather over her body and yowl at the moon and cry, and it resurrects her. <laughs> it's beautiful. And this is Catwoman. I do agree with, uh, was it Victor? Victor. Yes. That, uh, yeah, 
Green Lantern definitely feels more like an early 2000s superhero movie when they were just making them and not really sure of They were just like, how. these are characters. Here's the movie. Here is their yeah. movie with characters. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed, for sure. It doesn't fit in with the I think they're, the more I, sophisticated era of superhero. Like, as Willie always always says, like, they're, they're their own genre now. It's, it's uh, yeah. superhero movies are their own thing, and, and people are learning how to make them. And not just, it's not just a movie that you can shoehorn into, like, the action-adventure genre. Yeah. Like, were, were video stores still a thing, or were they going to be in another five years? There could conceivably even be, like, a superhero movie section. section. Yeah. yeah. For those young listeners who don't know what video stores are, you can Wikipedia them <laughs> and find out. But yeah. Um, I just wanted to say that Green Lantern's a, like a disappointment because all the ingredients for a great sandwich are there. I mean, I want to keep the sandwich thing going because I like it. You've got the, you've got the ham in Ryan Reynolds. You've got the pepper, the salt and pepper of Martin Campbell, the director. That's really all I got. It's just a ham and salt and pepper sandwich. But there's a lot of there's a lot of bland, like I don't know what's bland that they put on sandwich. I think I think the, bit, the <laughs> relish. Relish. To tell you the you truth, that on <laughs> at the time I was more uh, I, I I probably enjoyed the Green Lantern more than most people did. Yeah. Um, I was really more of an optimist walking into that movie, and I and I did walk out of it being like I don't feel as though it deserves all of the hate that it's getting, but I didn't I wasn't like. You know, yay, they're going to make a new DC universe like Marvel. Yeah. I think the ingredients that it has there could have added up to something great. Yeah. Um, I think the effects were, were fairly fantastic for the most part. Um, but I think, uh, I, I don't think the script Oh, actually, the ham is um, Peter Sarsgaard in that movie. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh, he was awesome in that movie. <laughs> yeah. Wait, is the ham good? The ham is the ham. It's the ham. It's the ham. He hams, he's it, hams up. it up. Oh, I see. <laughs> I thought you were referring to. Uh, but he when you good. said when you said the I, ham, I thought I you thought were he, talking about I, benevolent overlord John Ham, and I was like, he's, <laughs> he's in this movie. The ham was present. <laughs> Green Lantern wasn't. I didn't hate it either, for the record. But it's. I was just impressed by how remarkably bland it is. It's just yeah. there. Yeah. It's yeah. super there. Like it was like the move. The poster should have been like Green Lantern. It's here. Yeah, it's like the wheat bread surrounding the sandwich. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's just the blandness. Of I don't think it could have added and peppers. <laughs> I don't think it could have added up to anything great necessarily. I think it was destined for mediocrity. Like with, which is a shame. There's there's a lot of great cast elements in place. There's a great director. The the effects were very good, but uh, it just was very uninspired. I yeah. think I think if I think if. The, the Hal Jordan casting could have been more inspired if, if Blake Lively wasn't in the movie and if the script Definitely. was a bit better then it could have been it certainly could have been very you like, it, it could have been worth it you, you remember know? that dress Blake Lively wore at Comic Con though yeah that was good that, <laughs> that was okay. good okay that makes it worth it <laughs> right. I just remember the scene in this movie that I mean as a kid with a, with a dad who liked a lot of comic books and he, my dad is a big Green Lantern fan because he's always intrigued by the idea that his, his willpower and his imagination are what makes it Yeah. but so many of the things he used his ring for were just so gooby I was yeah. like what the hell yeah. like when he makes a big green like, like Hot, Wheels. Hot Wheels racetrack <laughs> set that you snap together and hold it up this high and it I was like, "What the fuck?" Like, <laughs> he just played with Hot Wheels as a kid. What that was you, so what weird. I, that was literally. I was watching it on Netflix, and my head just went. 
<laughs> just tilted 45 degrees like what the hell this is what they thought of it was so weird that's like straight out of silver age dc writing like, yeah yeah giant hot dog to put alien hunger at bay like and you know the, if the rest of the movie kind of fit with that tone i could have lived with it but the problem is it's so super serious the rest yeah. of the time that when he makes a hot tra- hot wheel track i'm like wow ah, yeah okay and then all of a sudden yeah this this unstoppable yellow force is killing people i'm like eh, i'm not really invested in this movie anymore <laughs> All right. All right. I think that's enough about the Green Lantern. <laughs> Victor, you better apologize for this one. Yeah, this, this, is, is, some, this is some bullshit. We just talked about the Green Lantern for, for like eight minutes. <laughs> Next week, we talk about Ghost Rider. <laughs> uh, okay. I do um, agree with him, though, real quickly. The uh, director's cut of Daredevil is a pretty watchable movie. Coolio. It's, uh, it's a lot. Still haven't a lot seen more it. The Coolio subplot is pretty solid. Yeah. However, the best Daredevil viewing experience is the Rift Tracks of the theatrical cut it's okay. so much fun to watch I will keep that in mind for when I eventually never watch Daredevil <laughs> you might watch Daredevil at some point you will never watch Elektra and you know that's definitely for the best okay feedback feedback at midwestfilmnerds.com go review and uh, rate us on iTunes uh, midwestfilmnerds.com for show notes and all that kinds of stuff uh, my brother at Mr. John on Twitter thank you for the music and the artwork um, hopefully some new artwork coming our way might try to change up the music too we'll see but uh, um, follow us on twitter at MFN Podcasts. you can find the rest of us on the website uh, we are also on Vine and Instagram all that good stuff check out our Vines because I'm super into Vine and we're going to keep making yeah. cool fun little yep. little things I think through ours yeah. and our Instagram too we, we had a really fun one with World War Z yeah and, that uh, one's my favorite so far. That's pretty good. <laughs> Although the After Earth one's pretty yeah. good, too. Um, so go check those out. Uh, they usually get on the Facebook as well. So um, That's about it. Kyle lose, Sly, go watch a movie. The, it's cleaner. What? You said the Facebook. I tried to make a oh. JT Facebook joke. And just, I totally just, stepped all over your signature. All over the your signature lines. Hold on. Let's just pause, and then you can edit it out. Kyle okay, Sly, go, go. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Kyle X-Y, go watch a movie.